Thank you for listening to the Sisters Podcast with Pastor Vilma and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a monthly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help you in your daily life. We pray that this message will help you in whatever season of your life you might be in. So, you know, for the last five months, I've been speaking about our hopes and our dreams. But I decided to just shift it now and focus on God's hopes and dreams. Did you know that God is the originator of hopes and dreams? Did you know that God, too, has hopes and dreams for his daughters, his children, those who call themselves Christians? Amen. And so we're going to read tonight from a chapter that I haven't looked at for more than a decade, and I want you to not switch off when you hear where I'm going, because I do agree with you, it's not well, it's now one of my favorite, everything's my favorite, but when I was a younger Christian and I used to read this passage, I used to stop quickly and make it my most skipped chapter in the Word of God because I felt so threatened by it. Yes, it's Proverbs 31, but I promise you, I promise you, we're going to find and dig and delve and we're going to find some real gems, real depth from the Word of God. Amen? So, Bear with me here. Here here it goes. Proverbs 31 from verse 10. It says, a wife of noble character who can find. Single girls, hang in there. I'm coming to you, baby. Don't switch off now, okay? Oh, it's one of those chapters all about women who are married. I'm not married. Okay, here we go. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark, and we'll get to that as well. Not tonight, but maybe at another time. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom. The faithful instruction and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Did you read with me in your Bible? Thank you. 
Thank you very much. I, I, I understand that not everyone's got the same translation, but I decided to use the NIV, the nearly infallible version, because it's Pastor Andre's favorite. So, you know, although credit has been given to King Solomon for writing this chapter, there's, absolute, there's absolutely no proof that he did. Um, it, it, there's no proof that King Lemuel, as it says in verse 1 of chapter 31, was actually Solomon. So that's just a little introduction there for you. Nothing, nothing important about who wrote it. The fact is, it's in the Word of God. But we just read 22 uh, verses. And did you know that the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters? And it is understood that every verse starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's also an acrostic. And it would seem like it is believed, actually, that the author found praiseworthy things to say about a virtuous woman 22 times in the Word of God. Now, I love how John Piper puts it. He says, it is helpful to know that the author is not building an argument like Paul does in Romans. Instead, he is stringing pearls. It's like there's no question about it. The virtuous woman is an amazing woman. The virtuous woman needs to be praised. The virtuous woman stands out. Uh, from among the rest, I mean, and then beautifully strung together are the verses like a, like a string of beautiful pearls just up my street. Not that I wear pearls uh, anymore like I used to. It used to be a fashion thing, but it's feminine and it's beautiful. I mean, we are pearl of great price. So this is an amazing chapter and an amazing way to end off Proverbs 31. Do you know why? Because there are so many warnings in the entire book of Proverbs of unvirtuous women. For instance, you'll see it up on the screen. The adulterous woman, Proverbs 2.16. The foolish woman, Proverbs 9.13. The quarreling woman, Proverbs 21.9. The contentious woman, Proverbs 21.19. The bitter woman, Proverbs 30.23. The harlot, Proverbs 6.26, and the evil woman, Proverbs 6.24, to mention not everything there is. But these poor qualities of a woman is pushed into the background the moment you open Proverbs 31 and you read the 22 verses and you read about the virtuous woman. So I want to speak tonight to you a message called God's Dream Girl. God's dream girl, because we can be her. We are by no means perfect. Pastor Andre has taught us in the past, and I have held on to that all these many, many years, that the Proverbs 31 woman is a company of women. There is no woman on the planet that can be this woman. So that's why I tell you, just relax. Just relax, okay? Because you will have qualities that's written about in here. But some people won't have your qualities and you won't have their qualities. But put together beautifully as the bride of Christ, we will have those qualities that will bring joy to the heart of God. You know, this passage was not written for married women only. It was written for people. It was written for women, single women. It was written for men. 
It was written for children. It's part of the Word of God. It's not something that we're going to skip, the most skipped passage like I used to behave in the Bible. No. We also have learned that this woman is, is speaking about the church, the bride of Christ, as I already alluded, that, you know, um, she loves her husband, her groom, Jesus. She's in love with him. Read Song of Songs and get a picture of the romance that there is between Jesus and his bride. Matthew Henry Concise Bible Commentary writes, this passage is to be applied to individuals, but may it not also be applied to the church of God, which is described as a virtuous spouse. God, by his grace, has formed from among sinful men and women a virtuous spouse. Christ, God, by his grace, has formed from among sinful men and women a church of true believers to possess all the excellences here described. That's good, isn't it? That helps us. That helps us to know what was God getting at by allowing this to be in the Word of God. It's so intimidating. How can any of us match up to this virtuous, impossible, perfect woman? Well, there's no perfection, but there's certainly a lot to admire ab about this woman. So by way of introduction, and I've been introducing already, but I'm just continuing before I get to the one verse that I really want to home in on, and once, once I've done that, you will understand where I'm going. So first thought tonight is, think of her as a daughter, or think of her as a daughter first. When you read about her, when you, when you pick up the Bible and you go and read about her, think of her as a daughter, right? Because at one time, single girls, she was a young girl. She was a young woman. She had dreams and hopes of her own. And she understood that she is a daughter long before the responsibility she would later have as a wife, as a mother, or as a, a career woman. And, you know, as God's daughter, she feared the Lord. And, and he had a heart. He had a heart before her earthly husband had her heart. She surrendered to God before she surrendered to her husband. She knew God personally before she knew her husband personally. She did not only know about God, but she knew what pleased him. She knew that he, she knew his character and his nature, what he was like. She had a knowledge of him. Amen. And she was in covenant with God. This woman, she was in covenant with God. And when she became a wife, she entered into another covenant with her husband, with Jesus at the center of their marriage. Here's a good word for you if you are married and, you know, Jesus is not at the center of your marriage. You know, he really wants to be. He really can be. It's really a choice that you make to make sure that this takes place. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In other words, if Jesus is in that marriage, you have a you have got a strength about your marriage, and your marriage will not be easily broken. You know, she is God's dream daughter. So as women, remember you're a daughter first. Remember when you wake up in the morning, before you think about, well, there he's lying, snoring, I'm his wife, or he could say the same thing. But anyway, there he is, I'm his wife. Think about, there he is, I'm his daughter. That's who we are first, amen? We are 
a daughter of the living God. So fear him and surrender to him. And, you know, then when you are found, you know, you, you won't become virtuous if you're not married. If you're found by an earthly husband, you won't become virtuous. You already are virtuous. You are virtuous before a man comes along and tells you that you have, you know, virtue. Amen? So God, in our case, we did, I didn't know, I wasn't virtuous. Far from it. I didn't know God. But 11 months later, after we got married, God found me. God found me. And in that case, when God finds us as his bride, as the church, we become virtuous. He makes us virtuous. He puts purpose into us. Amen? He puts strength and character into us. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's the beauty of this whole chapter that I'm just falling in love with, and I couldn't stop reading it when I started you know, doing the study again and again. You know what? Many of us became virtuous after we, we, the Lord found us and we became wives. And you know what? God, we're the right material that God wants to work with, that he will work with. He works on us and he makes us beautiful in his time and special. Amen. And uh, that, that is God's work. So we too should never forget that we are the daughters of the living God. Amen. I want to say something to the single women. Um, I believe as a single woman, you can live intentionally and purposefully, even as the Proverbs 31 woman did. Amen? So secondly, who can find this girl? It takes a special man to find her, because she's a sharp cookie. She doesn't let anybody just come along and, you know, knock her off her feet, Right? So he has to be a Proverbs 31 man that comes along to find her. Amen? He has to be someone really special. All right? It's clear that it takes a godly man to look for a godly woman. There are many men who are looking, who, sorry, who are not looking for a wife. They're looking for a one-night stand. Even in church. Be wise, girls. Be wise. There are even men that are among them if I find them who they are that I have heard on pastoral reports of someone who just came here and messed with God's gorgeous girls. Amen? So that's not a special kind of man. It's not because, he's, not because God doesn't love him, but he's not yet redeemed. You know, people can join church. They can even do partnership. They can even be on a volunteer army. They can, they can do amazing things, be nice people. But... Um, you know what? They're not redeemed yet. There's a journey that they need to go on. They should be becoming who God wants them to be. And so a very special man is looking for a godly wife. Amen? Right. A special man with character looks for a godly wife with character. Amen? A respected man who is connected to other respected men, not a perfect man. There's no... Per Do you think Pastor Andre is perfect? He's perfectly gorgeous. And dare I say, he's perfectly sexy. But he ain't perfect. He just... Now, now, neither am I. Amen? Neither am I perfect. So... Proverbs 31, 
23, it speaks of her husband. It says, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. So he's a respected man. He doesn't have to be necessarily the most influential man. He doesn't have to be the president of a country. He doesn't have to even be the president of a, you know, of, of a company. But there's just that something on his life and in his life, amen, where he fears God and where God is at the center of his life, amen. Uh, it, it says of him, you know, his heart trusts fully uh, in her and he praises her together with her children. That is the kind of man that will find this virtuous woman before she is found, amen. So as a daughter and a wife, we were found, that's just how I view it. You know, we, 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 I'll quote you a scripture just now. We love to sing amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Who finds us? You know, people mistakenly, and I think I did the same, you know, I found God. I found him on the corner of wherever street in Cape Town. No, no, you don't understand. God found you. And if you, if you made your way to a church or to anywhere where the gospel was preached, or if you, made yourself, if you found yourself being spoken to by a person, like in a coffee shop or in the car or whatever, that has been the Holy Spirit drawing you and wooing you and bringing you to that place so that you can encounter the living God and you can encounter Jesus, but it's actually Him. He's the one who finds us. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is doing his work. Well, an earthly husband can find God's daughter. Where? I think the best place is in God's house. And the best place is in God's family. Come on, that's how it's supposed to work. Amen. And, and um, in terms of the bride of Jesus, the church, we all need to find a local church. You may be visiting here tonight. You may not even live in this area. You may not even live in this country. But you know what? If you are aiming to, to, to be a daughter of the king, you haven't yet made that decision, you need to be part of a local church because Jesus died to build the church, to establish the church. He loves the church. He's in love with the church. We are all part of the church, and we're all part of the bride of Christ. And so it is so important. The church is by no means perfect because there is no perfection on this side of eternity. Amen? Amen? There is no perfect church. Everyone makes mistakes. You find people on an off day. I've said this so many times. You know, despite its deficits, it's still God's tool on the earth, his vehicle on the earth. It's what he will use. Amen. And so we need to cherish it and wait for that day when we see our groom of heaven face to face. Amen. Jesus. Now, we're getting to my first actual real part of what I want to say tonight. Um, one of the reasons, and there are many, but I believe this is the main reason. This is why I'm starting with this tonight is she's God's dream girl because she fears God. Proverbs 31.30, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, what does this all mean, fear the Lord? Well, if you're a God-fearing person, you walk in obedience to God, you, you, you look at God as an awesome God. He's an 
awesome, God. You know, we've taken the word awesome and we've just brought it down to virtually nothing. Oh, this ice cream is awesome. No, no, God is an awesome God, amen. He is a fearful God. He is a God who hates sin, amen. And so we walk in awe of him, we walk in obedience. And you know, at any time in the Bible we read that God, well, not even God, because if anyone had to see God, they would die. Have you read that in the Word? No man can see God and die. So God sends his angel. The angel of the Lord will appear to people, and what happens to them? They fall flat on their faces. Why? Because it's not like an awesome ice cream. This is like, wow, God is shining his glory through this angel representing him, and they can barely stand to face an angel who isn't even God. Can you imagine if God had to reveal himself to you? Amen. So, Yes, we have a personal relationship with God now. We have a personal relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Jesus has brought us close to God. He has reconciled us to the Father by dying for us. Let's not stop there. What did he die for? He died for our sin. Do you know that sin is what separates us from God? Sin is not a, f a famous message in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore, the very thing, the very thing that Jesus came to die for. It's not good enough to just speak about the cross or sing about the cross and the blood of Jesus, but to remember what? What was that all about? That was so that we would be forgiven. Amen. So I just want to say that, you know, God gets angry over sin. Do you know why? Not because he hates people. He gets angry over sin because it separates people from him and it causes them to go down a path of destruction. It takes them away from him. He wants that no one should be lost. Amen? He wants that no one should die in their sins. He wants us all to walk on the path. We will always sin. We will. What is sin? To fall short of the glory of God. Can I stand up here and pretend that I never fall short of the glory of God? Of course I fall short of the glory of God. Why, just yesterday on my way to the staff meeting, there was a hard train bus that I hate on this route that I take. And I usually charge down the road to turn into a side street to try and miss this bus. And what did he do? He got in in front of me. And then when I wanted to overtake him because I was running a wee bit late, um, he, you know how the buses, they're big, and so I think he was trying to, in his defense, because then God spoke to me about my anger issue right here, um, in his defense, I think his bus was trying to avoid the trees that were hanging over the street, and you know, that needs to be cut, right? So as I'm overtaking him, he's going like towards the, the white line onto my side, I'm like, and then as I got to the end, I went like, what's the matter with you? And I'm busy dealing with an anger message. <laughs> and God said, Wilma, was that nice? Sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I could just go back and say, sorry, Jesus loves you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So we all fall short of the glory of God. 
That is why we are able to go to God and confess and just say, Lord, you know, he's faithful and he's just, but he hates sin and he wants to deal with sin. So the first time we hear him wanting to deal with sin is in Exodus 20, and it's always good to go back to the beginnings of God and how God dealt with people and what he wants us to know. Of course, what do you always say? Christ is revealed. Come on, Pastor Andre, be on your toes now. <laughs> I'm asking you, Christ is not hidden in the, in the Old Testament. He's, is the Old Testament sealed? Revealed. <laughs> Christ is in the Old Testament concealed, but in the New Testament revealed. Field. And that is why we don't bypass it, right? We do our one-year Bible. We start at the beginning. Oh, those genealogies. You just keep going. You just, God will speak to you. Amen? So here, here's the deal. God is appearing and he's like, he's at Moses. The tablets of stone were smashed and all of that. But now God has all the people come to the mountain. And there's lightning and there's thunder. Let's read what it says from verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. Is he an awesome God or, or what? And Moses said to the people, huh, listen to this, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. What were those ten commandments all about? It's what separates God from man from God, right? And so if God was dealing here What's the sin issue to make sure that people understood who he was and who they were? But this is a perplexing verse. Do not fear. You are being tested that his fear may be for you. Well, I love how John Piper again put it um, when he wrote, the fear that Moses was telling them to get rid of was the fear of coming close to God and hearing his voice. Do you know? We are always welcome to come close to God and hear his voice. Don't fear the voice of God and don't fear coming close to him. The fear that Moses wanted them to keep before their eyes was that God is fearfully powerful and opposed to sin. The fear of kindling God's powerful wrath against sin ought to not drive us away from God, but to God for mercy. It's quite a perplexing verse, isn't it? It's like, fear him, but don't fear him. Now, understand what you should be fearing and what you should not be fearing. So to fear God is to honor him, to respect him, to obey him, to flee from sin, to shun sin, to do what pleases him. You know, we used to have those those bracelets, what would Jesus do? I still believe it's a very good thing because we actually, um, God is at work to shape us to become more like Jesus. How are we going to be, did Jesus, was Jesus allowed to do his own thing? No, he wasn't. Are we allowed to do our own thing? 
No, we, we're not. Amen. And so we need to understand what would Jesus do and, you know, and understand what it is that separates us. You know what's so beautiful in Jeremiah 31 and in Romans? It speaks about the fact that God's going to write his laws on our hearts. You know, and in Romans, I think, or in Hebrews, it speaks about the fact that the Gentiles don't even have the Ten Commandments, but they have a knowledge. They have something. God has put something on every man and woman's spirit to let them know this is not right. This is not, this is right. This is not right. I mean, people have just blinded their eyes to what is right. John Piper writes again, the fear of the Lord is fear of fleeing out of his fellowship into the way of sin. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is full of peace, security, and hope. It keeps us near to the merciful heart of God, our fortress, our refuge, our sanctuary, our shield, our son. God's dream girl, she fears God. She puts him in his rightful place. She understands that she has access to him. She understands that she can approach him. She can listen for his voice, for his Holy Spirit to prompt her. But she doesn't play around with sin. She doesn't mess around with sin. So we're going to look lastly at benefits of being God-fearing. There are incredible benefits. You know what? We always talk about the promises of God. And sometimes we read half of the verse. We don't actually see the rest of what God is actually saying to us. And we love standing on the promises of God. They are yes and they are amen. But you know what? We need to read what it actually says. First thought this evening, by fearing God, we bring blessing into our lives. We see how blessed this woman was. God, God's dream girl, she had a wonderful household, she ran a business, she had children, she had a loving husband, um, she feared God, and uh, you know, so much more. We read in Psalm 31:19 from the Amplified, it says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear, revere, and worship you. Goodness, which you have worship your goodness which you have wrought for those who trust and take refuge in you before the sons of men. In other words, the scripture is saying the whole world will see because how you fear me, how you worship me, how blessed you are, how supplied you are, how fulfilled you are in this world. That's what makes you a standout person in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. Amen. Secondly, God will give us wisdom. Proverbs 31, 26 speaks of this woman. It says she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Proverbs 19 to 16, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And the Holy One is understand and of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of a house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. You know, um, when you don't fear God, you make foolish choices. It's as simple as that, you know. Think of it, um, you know, how people who don't fear God, 
I believe that Simi spoke tonight about Cain. Cain actually didn't have a fear of God in him. That's why he murdered his brother. That's why his offering was like the plants of the earth when God said, no, no, there's life in the blood of an animal. That's why Jesus had to die. There was life in the blood of a human being, the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. So when people don't fear God, they rape, they murder, they steal, they lie. Those, that's not going to be us. Amen. Remember right at the beginning of this year, I spoke about uh, Joseph and how Mrs. Potiphar was casting longing eyes on, on him because he was a hunk, clearly. And uh, she wanted to take him to bed and sleep with him. But what were his words in Genesis 39, 9? It's, he said to her, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Now, if you watch Netflix or a movie, and there's another version, his name's not Joseph, but let's just call him someone else, Peter or John or whatever, this would be the coolest part of the whole movie, ricking off their clothes and going into the bedroom and, you know, doing their thing. But, but Joseph feared God, and he said, I cannot do this. How could I? How could I do this against God? He even went to prison for years for it. Amen? Number three, God will be a friend. Psalm 25, 14 says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Number four, the Lord will delight in us. Do you want God to delight in you? Oh, man, God delights in me. And I'm not being arrogant. That's what we all want to say. Why can we say that? Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Beautiful, beautiful verse. Number five, you will be strong. Verse 25 of Proverbs 31, she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. You know what? I believe she had strength of character, but I believe she had to have a physical strength as well, an ability, a capacity to do all that she did. Amen? She was productive, and there was purpose, and God enabled her because she feared him. She was filled with strength, more than just one kind of strength. Number six, the Lord promises to deliver us. Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You know, even when it comes to temptation, God can deliver us. He, can make, he says he's made a way out. We see that um, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, The only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has, but you can trust God, who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will also give you a way of escape so that you will be able to stand it. He is our deliverer, amen? He will deliver us even from temptation. Didn't Jesus say we should pray, um, amen, to deliver us from evil? Deliver us from evil? Well, God will help us with that as well. Number seven, God will have compassion on us. It says in Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. There are beautiful, beautiful promises attached to fearing God in the word of God. Amen. I believe that if we begin to, 
to say, I want to be more like this woman. I want to be more like her who walked in the fear of God. See the blessing of God flow into my life. See the strength of God come. See the wisdom. I want wisdom to come out of my mouth. This all comes as a result of the, having the fear of God in our lives. Amen. And you know what? I, I, I believe that because this woman honored and respected and loved and obeyed God as God, she became all that. She became the the wiser woman. She, she was faithful to her husband. She was faithful to God. She was not idle. And I believe we can be like her. Amen. And she was looking to the future with plans and goals and hopes, just like all of us. Amen. And you know, for us, we should be setting goals for ourselves, looking to the future with the fear of God. Don't leave God out of your plans. Oh, he should be at the forefront fear of God at the forefront, like this Proverbs 31 woman, that you too may become God's dream girl, blessed, fulfilled, not idle, no time to fool around with sin, amen? God will clothe us with strength and with dignity, and we too can look at the days ahead with laughter in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed and inspired by this ministry.